Well, I'd like to label this sermon this morning from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. From spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. As you know, this is my last Sunday as one of the pastors at Roosevelt, and just want to say that my family and I have been grateful for our time here. It's been a journey filled with many, many different emotions. I know many of you, and most of you know who I am, but there's some of you that are new and have started coming the last couple of months or so, so I uh, just want to give a quick roadmap of what we're going to do this morning. First, I'd just like to share my salvation story, essentially how I became a follower of Jesus, how I became a Christian. Then I want to tell you guys a little bit about my Roosevelt story and how almost nine years ago I found myself here. Then I want to open up and share a little bit about that passage, Colossians 1, verse 28. And then I want to conclude our time with uh, a few charges, if you will, um, to leave you with as I transition out. So as I start, just my, my salvation story. So, and many of you have heard this um, a couple of different times, but um, I didn't hear the gospel until I was 19 years of age. Um, earlier on in my life, I lived in many different households. Um, I even lived with, for, for a period of time, we lived with my aunt and my uncle, who actually were Muslims. And being there in that household was very interesting. But one of the things that I remember vividly is my uncle waking up and, and, and praying five times a day. Being in, being in that household, they didn't necessarily like force Islam on us or anything. But they believe what they, they said. Also early on as well, I remember going to church. Um, it wasn't necessarily something that we did every Sunday per se, but I remember going to church um, from time to time and hearing the, the sermons, hearing the preacher, and also just seeing like community being, um, be seeing community in a real, in a real way. But when I was 19, my next door neighbor, his name was Kevin Jackie, and he was from Kenya. And when we moved here, he helped us move in, all that good stuff. And we had affinity for certain things like basketball, like, uh, like hip hop and all sorts of things. And long story short, he ended up sharing the gospel with me. And it's really surreal, too, because earlier this year, I had the privilege of going to visit uh, Kenya. And typically, you kind of hear about the Christian missionaries or the Christians that come from America that go over to Africa to share the gospel and to make disciples, et cetera. But it's interesting, in my story, I had a Kenya that came to America and shared the gospel with me. Things didn't click at first. After he shared the gospel, I went off to college and lived like a heathen for about a year. But then when I came back to Arizona, 
I reconnected with Kevin. And him being so uh, gracious, gentle, but also persistent with the gospel, when I came back, he ended up sharing the gospel with me again. And in my mom's apartment, we ended up talking for a couple of hours. But after that talk, I really felt almost like a, a weight pressing down on me as I was thinking about my wrongdoing, as I was thinking about my sin. And that moment, I genuinely believed in Jesus, who he was, what he said he was going to do, what he has done. And instantly, that weight that was pressing down upon me, I felt instant relief. That's when I was 19, and interestingly enough, I've been living for him ever since. Um, 33 years old now, and ended up getting married when I was 21. I got a baby girl now. I didn't grow up wanting to be a pastor, and even when I became a Christian, I didn't want to be a pastor. That wasn't something I was looking to do, but I know once you become a Christian, you should probably get around some Christian people. So I went to this small black Baptist church in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, my first pastor, um, the Reverend Dr. Colvin Blanford, and just went, started helping out with the youth. Uh, it was about six or seven youth at the time. And nothing fancy, nothing necessarily extravagant. Uh, we was a small church that didn't have any money. <laughs> but every Sunday, we just open up the Bible and pray and talk with the youth. Did that for several months. Then Pastor Colvin came to me and said, hey, John, I want to talk to you about something. I said, okay. He said, man, you've been doing really well serving with the youth. It's been great. You ever thought about being a pastor? And to that, I said, no, then never thought about that. He goes, well, you know, I think the Lord may have a calling on your life. And from this, from for the next five, ten minutes or so, he went on a whole soliloquy and cast vision for me about what I could do. I could go to seminary. I didn't even know what seminary was. He talked about planting churches and all these great lofty types of things. And he's, you know, trying to persuade me. He given his his with his his whole heart out, and then after he was done, he said, "All right, so what do you think about this?" And I said, "No, that doesn't sound like anything I want to do." <laughs> but then he said, "Well, will you at least pray about it?" And Roosevelt, when your pastor asks you to pray for something. You can't really say no. <laughs> I mean, you can, but it just doesn't feel right. So I said, okay, fine, I'll pray about it. Months later, he goes about, months later, he comes back and says, hey, have you, have you prayed about it? And I said, yeah, actually I have. And then he said, well, what do you think? And then I said, okay, let's, <laughs> let's, let's give it a shot. <laughs> and as they say, the rest is history. 
My salvation story started when I was 19. I guess in some ways, I guess it started before the beginning of time. Because God chose me before the foundation of the earth. But my Roosevelt story, how did I get to Roosevelt? My wife and I came here back in 2015. And one of the things that drew us to this church was um, good biblical preaching. The consistent engagement within the culture and a stand for justice in all areas of life. In addition, cultivated a relationship with Pastor Ramon. My wife got this for me. Cultivated a relationship with Pastor Ramon and the Pierre family. I first met him at Chipotle across from ASU. <laughs> that was the, the genesis of, Lord willing, a lifelong brotherhood. I remember visiting Roosevelt on a Sunday and hearing Pastor V preach. He preached through Isaiah 53. You know, that's one of those classic Old Testament passages that a lot of preachers like to preach. Um, it was the most convicting and memorable sermons I ever heard. That's when I realized that this would be the place that my family would be for a while. Even coming to Roosevelt, wasn't my plan to come on staff at Roosevelt. I was originally looking to go to seminary out of the state after, upon graduating with my undergraduate degree. After a year of serving and becoming a member here, I was invited to do a two-year pastoral residency along with uh, Scott, and Michelle, who planted Somos Church. After the residency, the leadership team decided to hire me on staff full-time, which my family and I were grateful for. I served in many different capacities and have learned a lot about pastoring under the leadership of Pastor Ramon. Um, Tali family and Roosevelt, we've been through many joys and frustrations, trials and tribulations throughout the years, from church discipline slash restoration situations, from babies being born, from conducting premarital counseling and officiating weddings from meeting with families who have to make arrangements to bury their loved ones, from the infamous and energetic First Fridays, if you know, you know, from baptisms 
from CG leaders or leaders retreats, from leadership and staff developments, from conferences, and from the special and my favorite service of the year, the annual Christmas Eve candlelight service. And from hearing people profess faith in Christ for the first time. Over these close to nine years now, there's so much to praise God and thank him for. But he has saw fit to transition me to the historic First Institutional Baptist Church. And just so you know, part of this is Ramon's fault. Initially, kind of like with Pastor Coven, I wasn't really that interested. <laughs> it didn't really seem like something I wanted to do. And then Ramon basically said that, man, you should really pray and fast about this. So I did. And typically after you pray and fast about something, the Lord makes things clear. And that's what he did. Much more I can share about Roosevelt, but that's just a little bit of how I got to Roosevelt and how things have been going. Now, I want to just say a couple of things from Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. So for all you real big Bible people, y'all was waiting for me to get to the Bible. <laughs> I know who you are. I want to share... Just some quick thoughts about Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Now, many of you, especially the community group leaders, y'all have heard me say this thousands and thousands of times. I want to help people grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. If I had a, a, a ministry verse or a life verse, it would probably be this one. Because I truly believe that my mission in life is to, to help people grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Approaching Colossians, it's a very interesting book. It's only four chapters long. It's what, it's what is considered a prison epistle, which means the Apostle Paul is writing from prison to the church in Colossae. And the reason why he's in prison is because of his uncompromising allegiance to the gospel. And he's in chains, and he's writing to the church. Now, if I was locked up in chains, I don't know if I would be writing a whole four-chapter letter to the church. I would simply have just a couple of words can y'all get me out? <laughs> but Paul, with his love and tender heart for this church, he is 
encouraging them. He's exhorting them. And he's also teaching them in some aspect. In this context, Paul's ministry to the church in Colossae, he wants to encourage them and he wants to teach them. Um, in this time period, there were uh, many different types of uh, ideologies and religions that was going on. And you had Jewish mysticism, you had a very early form of Gnosticism, you had so many different things going on. And basically what people were doing, they were taking um, all these different elements and ideologies, religions, and et cetera, and basically trying to make it a big cohesive belief system. Um, they were synchronizing these different ideas. So in some ways, Paul is trying to correct them and say, hey, no, we have to stay firm on who Jesus is. But he also wants to encourage them in many different ways. And I love when he says, in him we proclaim. <laughs> you got to love Paul, right? You can't forget about preaching Jesus. It's him we proclaim. But he also says he wants to present everyone mature in Christ. Paul is this lovingly father that wants to see his children grow. In human development, it can be broken down into four categories. Uh, you got the infancy stage, you got the childhood stage, you got the adolescent stage, and of course you got the adulthood stage. And I think we would probably say it would be a challenge, it would be a problem if you have somebody who is like an adult, at least age-wise, but is behaving like a child. We would say there's something going on there, right? I would also say, spiritually speaking, if we have people that have been Christians for a very long time, and spiritually, let's say they're supposed to be an adult, but in some ways they're acting like an infant in the faith, we would also say that there's a challenge, there's something going on there. And that's why God gives faithful pastors, faithful shepherds, faithful leaders to be able to help guide and help direct and help people grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. At some point, we all have to grow up. And being at this church for a number of years, I've seen many of you grow in your faith. So as a pastor, in some ways, I'm, I'm overjoyed when people grow by listening to sound counsel from the word of God. It reminds me of, in Corinthians, another letter that Paul wrote where he says, this person does this, this person waters, this person waters, but ultimately God is the one that gives the increase. It's always God that gives the increase, that gives the growth. We're just people helping and assisting along the way. Things that I'm going to miss as I transition from Roosevelt, well, one, I'm going to miss seeing you grow. I have to give my shout outs to certain people. It wouldn't be right if I didn't do that. So I do got to call some people out. So Sister Adeline, you're your prayers, and your Haitian soup. 
that I enjoyed over the years and you making fun of my locks. <laughs> just want you to know, <laughs> just want you to know, I'm not cutting them off. <laughs> but if I ever do, you can cut the first one. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to all my CG leaders, the team. couple in particular, the Morenos, for their evangelistic zeal and care for people, especially hurting people. The Cheneys. Y'all sitting in a different spot. <laughs> for y'all love. many great memories over the years. The Snowdens. For servant's heart. And willing to help in any way possible. For Thea. for telling me I'm wonderful most Sundays. The Corians for being family to us. The clouds for welcome, welcoming us to serving Grant Park from the Bible studies to the prayer walks to the quarterly picnics and from playing basketball with the teens. And now that my Achilles is torn, Angel and Fletcher and the guys can finally beat me. <laughs> to the Oaks family for all of the prayers over the years. For the worship team, Crystal in particular, for your leadership in shepherding our congregation through praise and worship, despite everything that you've been through. For Sam Friedman, for his creative and thoughtful and songwriting skills. For Mike Dunbar, for protecting all of us. And even though I come in the same two cars every single week, <laughs> you make sure to know who I am before you let me in. Also for your passion for the Dallas Cowboys. 
I have to admit, I, I don't like most Cowboys fans, but you're my favorite. The staff, the creative team, so many people to name. For Amy and the ways that she came in to help with our family and spiritual formation. For Cherie and the ways that she has helped in the different roles that she's been in. For Jason, who does amazing artwork for us. The bulletins, that's all Jason that does that. For James Wobu and his creative prowess. Even the newer people on staff like Micaiah and, and Dana Daly with our youth. All of our staff want to thank you for them. And the list can go on and on, but definitely want to give a big shout out to Pastor Ramon and Danae Pierre. In some ways, I don't think I'll be in ministry if it wasn't for you guys. So, thank you for giving me the opportunity. And thank you for doing family things. Lastly, my charge to the congregation In some ways, my charge can be summed up in the heading of continue to stay, continue to um, proclaim Christ and demonstrate Christ, to stay about the proclamation of the gospel and the demonstration of the gospel. So first, my first charge is want to encourage all of you to stay Jesus devoted. I said this a couple weeks ago, but this is one of our values of our church, and really, it's probably the most important. As we think about being connected to Jesus, that helps us be able to help others. If we're not connected to Jesus, then it's going to be hard for us to help people connect to Jesus. So the image in John 15 a great passage about being connected to the power source. And as we are the branches, Jesus is the true vine. In order for us to bear fruit, in order for us to do anything, we need to be connected to the true vine. So my first charge is for you to stay connected to Jesus. In our world, there are so many different people leaving church, leaving Jesus for all sorts of reasons. There are a lot of people that are drifting away. And I just want to encourage you through prayer, through meditation, through listening to the word of God, stay devoted to Jesus. Your signal cannot be on full if you're not plugged in. 
and you plug in by communion with Christ. Secondly, if I can give you another charge, is to stay promoting justice in our city and beyond. One of the reasons why I love this church and came to this church was because of their consistent and contagious engagement within the culture. And particularly justice issues, justice initiatives, we cannot lose sight about caring for people in all sorts of areas and all sorts of things. Psalm 89 verse 14 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. As we think about who God is, we know that he is a, a lot of different things. He's love, he's patience, he's joy, he's wrath, he's all of that, but he's also just. And because we're created in the image and likeness of God, we have to constantly and always be about justice. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose that Jesus and justice ministry that has always been here. And I pray that that will always continue. Even when people tell you that you shouldn't speak out about justice. May it never be. If Jesus is about justice, then his people should be about justice. Another thing I want to charge you with is stay caring for the poor, the vulnerable, and the marginalized. The outcasts, those that society looks at and turn their nose up at them. You know, there's a whole book about this in the Old Testament the book of Amos. And that's the reason why Amos was upset with the religious leaders of that day because they neglected the poor. So my charge is for you to always care for the poor, love the poor, and find ways to center those that are on the margin because they have a lot to teach us. We can learn a lot from them. We can learn a lot about how they pray. We can learn about how they can do a whole bunch with limited resources. We can learn from their humility that they have. And I think the church in general needs a lot of humility. Always stay about caring for those that are considered in our society the least of these. Another thing I want to charge you with is for you all to stay connected in community. Again, many different people are drifting a lot of ways. And there's different groups. We got community groups, other informal groups. Church works when we are a family. And we are not like a family. The Bible says we are family. And families stick together. So all throughout the New Testament, there is a bunch of phrases. It's called the one another's. 
love one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens. There's a whole bunch. You can't do that if you're isolated. So my charge for each and every one of you is for you all to stay connected in community. And if you're not connected, to get connected. There are so many different ways that you can do that to build meaningful, lasting relationships. It may even start at a Chipotle. Stay connected in community. And the last thing I would say as a charge, stay about the mission to engage all people with all of Jesus. And the church said, amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, who you are, that we get to come before you to worship and also to remember what you did on the cross for us. And we thank you for all the men and women who are here. And we pray that we can be able to live on mission for you, to your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen.